open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have with us an old timer in the Bitcoin community, uh, Eric Lombroso. He's CEO and founder of Cypherix. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you very much, Trace. Uh, just some of your background. We've been rubbing shoulders for years now. Uh, how'd you get into Bitcoin? Like, when was it? Like, what kind of drew you into this space? So I was at a party uh, in about 2011, I guess it was. And uh, a friend of mine just started talking about Bitcoin and how like he had some ideas of some crazy games that he wanted to make with it or whatever. And, and I started looking into it and I kind of, you know, like the, the party kind of ended for me. Like at that point, I could just, just spent the rest of the night just researching Bitcoin and trying to figure out like, you know, what, what this was all about. And uh, I spent the next few weeks just, you know, hammering away and, uh, it just seemed to be the most innovative and interesting internet application I'd seen in a very long time. Nice. Now, you're working on uh, Msigna mm-hmm. over here at Cypherx. And uh, at least in my opinion, if there were another software that's going to be comparable with Armory, it would be Msigna. So maybe you can give us a little bit of an overview of what you've actually been able to build there and why it's such a good security solution for people. Sure. So um, a few Bitcoin standards became standard in 2012, uh, notably the multi-sig BIP-16 and uh, uh, hierarchical deterministic wallets, uh, BIP-32. There were no good tools at the time for this. So basically, you have this really cool feature that's supported in the protocol, but you don't have a way of using it. So uh, I started kind of brainstorming and thinking about how this could actually be made usable, you know, user-friendly. Uh, and so that's when I kind of, uh, you know, started trying to put these two ideas together and to build something that allowed you to configure and deploy accounts that were kind of independent. So you could set up accounts where the policies could be specified, you know, um, incrementally. You could always change the policies if you want and make that very flexible, as flexible as it could be done. But to make it so that deploying it and administering it was was fairly simple. So towards the end of 2013, I already had this integration, and we were actually the first to, to do deterministic multisigs. Uh, a lot of others now are claiming to be the first, but but actually we were the first to, to have deterministic multisig. And uh, that, that allowed us to, to create this whole platform where rather than specifying a specific kind of you know, configuration, we kind of leave it open-ended so we can uh, have you know, custom policies constructed depending on the application. I mean, you're talking about custom policies for hedge funds or other institutional size investors that are going to need to be securing millions and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin, right? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, and being able to have the proper policies and procedures in place to segregate the duties to make sure that there's uh, security standards that are being followed on all the different chains in the process, all of this, so that Bitcoins don't disappear. This is just a level of professionalization that needs to come to the industry if we're going to be growing Oh, uh, to, the, to this size. Yes. You made a comment, you know, other people claim to be the first to do this, but 
they weren't. I mean, they're just making claims out there that just patently aren't true. Alan Reiner, he and Greg Maxwell, they developed the whole hierarchical deterministic uh, wallet standard with BIP32, but it's currently not implemented in Armory. We're going to be rewriting the software there. But, I mean, you guys have implemented that. But then when we're looking at multi-sig, you have this first multi-sig hierarchical deterministic implementation. Mm-hmm. What's that mean exactly? I mean, it's kind of dolphin speak, right? Well, first I wanted to point out that, you know, even though we were the first, that's not the most important thing. That We want to be the best. That's like, you know, paramount. So as long as we're the best, we don't care if other people claim they're the first. Uh, that doesn't matter so much to us. As far as what it does, you can have different individuals or different devices each create their own sets of keys. And you can have the keys shared in a way that makes it very simple to back them up. So you can have secure backup, encrypted backup of all the keys. And you can share the public keys with other devices so you can monitor accounts, you can see what's going on. And you can also have uh, transparency where whenever a transaction is signed, you can see exactly which device signed it or which individual signed it. And, and also with the, uh, the, the reason to use a deterministic uh, key generation scheme also was because we wanted to also have privacy. We don't want to use the same keys for everything, right? So that's one of the things with Bitcoin, every single transaction, generally you want to create new addresses. And uh, also for processing inbound payments, you know, you want to segregate your funds. You want to make sure that you know where they were received, but you still want to have the same security policy enforced across many different accounts, possibly. So this allows you to do that. And you're able to build the security policy or profile that you want for each of the accounts. Like sometimes you might want two of three or two of two, but sometimes you might want three of five or something larger and distributing the keys in a wider range. Sure, absolutely. Or even one of one. You know, maybe you want to just have a, a, you know, a wallet that you use to to spend from and it's just, you know, got small amounts. You don't really care about security. You want to have it as simple to use as possible. We also support that. So it's the whole range. It's from the simplest use case to the most intricate use case. And we want to support the entire range. You made a great comment there. You don't necessarily want to be the first or even get the credit for being the first, but you want to be the best, Absolutely. you know, at, at integrating this. And when it comes to Bitcoin security, there is not really much margin for error. Everybody has to be the best in this industry because when you're not, there's some really smart, sophisticated people out there trying to like figure out how to steal Bitcoin, right? Sure. Recently, we had one of the major exchanges they lost $5 million of customer funds. This was not supposed to happen. Pantera Capital, who uh, raised $147 million offshoot of Fortress Investment Group, the $56 million hedge fund, they had invested $10 million in Bitstamp, who'd lost this $5 million. But they've also invested in Zappo and in BitGo, you know, other quote-unquote secure wallets. This really kind of irks me personally because like I was down at the Latin American Bitcoin conference and I was presenting and Zappa was presenting with us and they get up there and, and they talk about how we're the best, most secure Bitcoin wallet. And I'm like, okay, your, your chief marketing officer says that, but does your chief security officer say that? And the moderator of the panel was actually very helpful, uh, Diego Gutierrez. He asked kind of a question that helped people understand that with Armory, you hold the private keys. But with Zappo and with Coinapult and with 37 Coins, who was also on the panel, they hold the private keys. Now with M-Signa, who is in control of the private keys all the way from the generation and the storage? You are. The end user uh, is completely in control of all the keys. 
we're trying to find a good balance between security and usability. There's always this kind of trade-off. You want to make something super, super secure, but then it's very inconvenient to use. It requires a lot of training of personnel, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's also uh, prone to human error. So you, you have the, all these layers of complexity on top of, of your security policy. So you have to look at security in context, in the context of the risks. Uh, if you have a situation that calls for, for, you know, greater security, greater, you know, more, more strict policies and, you know, bigger, you know, more expensive enforcement, it might be worth it because, you know, what you're securing might be worth a lot more. Um, I don't really believe in a one size fits all solution for everyone. I think that for the general consumer, there might be a certain kind of minimal level of protection that they can get if they're willing to sacrifice some control, you know, so they can also uh, delegate the responsibility to someone else. If they want to have full control, though, then, you know, they are ultimately responsible for this. We want to give them the best tools that we can so that they can do that. I completely agree with that. I mean, on the podcast, we've interviewed Nick Carey, the CEO of Blockchain. We've interviewed Paul Pewey, CEO of Airbits. These are both mobile wallets. Uh, Aaron Voisin, CEO of Red Wallet. We've had Andy O5. He's one of our senior developers at Armory. You know, these are all wallets that are across the spectrum in terms of use case. You know, if you got a hundred bucks and you want it on your mobile device so that you can pay for the latte or something, you don't need to be securing that with like seven of 12 or something. I mean, it's just like, it's just not feasible. But if you're securing tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoins, like you know, the Bitcoin Investment Trust or the Winklevoss ETF or the Exanti Hedge Fund or uh, Bitstamp or, you know, one of these large custodians, then you need to be doing it the right way. Oh, absolutely. Now, there, there are two different parts to this. There's the software, which is what you've built, right, with Msigna. But there's also all the policies and procedures that go around with that. So are you also performing that role or is someone else involved in that? We've been working with uh, with Michael Perklin at uh, Bitcoin Sultans. And he has been, uh, you know, we've, uh, uh, we were, we're working on, on packaging together an entire set of, you know, uh, products and services. So that includes the software, hardware, you know, all the policy configurations, uh, the best practices, uh, uh, you know, uh, certification programs, etc., which I think are all necessary. Uh, you can't just have software if it's not being used correctly, you know, then it's no good. It's as if, you know, it wasn't really secure. I mean, security isn't just one piece of this whole thing. It's this whole thing working together. I was on the panel at Coin Summit and I, I talked about how we're going to need to develop new crypto auditing standards and things of this nature. And so I'm, I'm really impressed with what Michael's doing at uh, C4. We actually interviewed him for the podcast these new standards, these certification programs that he's coming up with, like I think that's going to be very important for our industry as it grows and matures and professionalizes. Because, you know, if we really want to be worthy of bringing in billions and tens of billions and hundreds of billions of dollars into this ecosystem, then we need to be able to provide the security solutions that are worthy of that. Because the current system like they've proven they're not worthy of that. Home Depot getting hacked, JP Morgan getting hacked. Like it, they're, they proved they're not worthy to hold the private keys. They're getting hacked all over the place and they're externalizing the costs in the forms of identity theft and fraud and increased fees and all that stuff. Sure. We really need to sure. uh, step up and offer something that everybody can really benefit from. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, Bitcoin is, is interesting in that. Um, it gives you complete control over your money, but with control comes responsibility. So that also means you have full responsibility over your money. If you want to delegate that responsibility, then we've moved away from the whole decentralized, 
you know, you control your own money uh, paradigm back to more of like a central bank uh, situation, um, which I think, you know, in some contexts might be, you know, the most practical solution. Uh, but I think that it kind of goes against, uh, you know, uh, ultimately what we're after with this. You know, we really want to give people full control over their own money. And we also have to deal with, you know, there are a lot of different use cases out there. What about the HOA that might want to hold its funds in Bitcoin or in some type of digitized uh, currency like Tether, for example? I mean, that's just in its infancy. But, I mean, we don't know who's going to be using it for what purposes. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be just the individual holding their private keys. If we want to have institutions come in in a big way, we're going to have to have all the policies and procedures in place to properly segregate the duties and make sure everything's following standards and make sure that the standards are going to work to secure the funds. Yes, absolutely. And I think what's happened lately is, uh, you know, I think people kind of get lazy when, when, when things seem to be working and there hasn't been any hack, people just kind of say, oh, you know, this is secure enough. And then, you know, they get hit sooner or later. Um, my, my hope is that we don't have to see too many more of these incidents before people really start to take this seriously. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what we've thought uh, for a long time. You know, BitPay, Armory, Kraken, we haven't had security incidents at any of them. We were kind of joking uh, Jesse Powell and I, when because we were we were together when uh, having breakfast when Bitstamp announced their hack, and I'm like, well, maybe we'll handle their receivership too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you don't take the security seriously, like you're going to get weeded out. Yeah, uh, that that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoinica, Mount Gox, MyBitcoin.com. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Uh, my friend Kevin, who runs Coin Reporting, it it does all the tax reporting for your stuff. He integrates from all the different exchanges. He actually has a list of all the exchanges that have failed like because he he supports the integrations for them all and it's a it's a long list uh so i mean like if you don't take security seriously like you're just not going to be around for a while that's just the way it is you're going to lose your funds you have to respect the private keys well i'm not going to disagree with that yeah is there anything else that you'd kind of extol for for the audience like what are you kind of most worried about in the bitcoin space I mean, you're down there in the code, right? Like, you worried about anything or is it just humming along? Well, one of the things that's kind of, you know, bothered me a little bit is the fact that it's really hard to extend Bitcoin. Uh, it's really hard to add any fundamentally new features without hard forking it. Um, I'm hoping that the Sidechains project or other initiatives in the space uh, are able to find some solutions to this. Um, if I were to say what concerns me the most, I'd say it's, it's that. Yeah, I'm actually a big proponent. I, I, I really like Adam Back and this side change proposal, particularly now that they've solved the two-way peg. I think that, that can help us come up with a development process for Bitcoin. Where we're able to experiment off of these side chains, screw stuff up, uh, bring back what works. Um, yeah, I think, I think that that's very important to have a development process for Bitcoin. Uh, what are you most kind of optimistic about? Like, I mean... It's never been in more commotion, but it's yet in forward motion. The whole industry seems to be. Uh, we've got a lot of volatility in the price, but like work's getting done. I mean, what are you mo- most optimistic about in all of this? You've been around it so long. Um, well, I'll say I'll start by saying that I'm not too concerned about the price. Um, I'm not in this to speculate. I'm in it to build, you know, a core technology that I think is revolutionary and is going to enable people to be able to do things that they were never able to do before. 
Um, the price, you know, I mean, obviously it's nice when the price goes up, there's more interest in this, you know, it's, uh, uh, people are happy or whatever, but, um, I don't think that that's a long-term concern. I think that that's something that, uh, you know, I mean, in the long term, this technology, you know, or some, uh, manifestation of it will definitely be huge and it's already starting to become huge. And I think, you know, it's going to be something that's going to, uh, transform a lot of the ways that we do a lot of things and a lot of applications that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, it's, I mean, we got so many potential applications that are going to come about because of this. So we've had Eric Lombroso, he's founder and CEO of Cyphrix and creator of the M-Signa wallet. And, you know, Coke is a better company because of uh, Pepsi. You know, if if all of our security competitors to Armory were like M-Signa, I think we would be in much better shape in the Bitcoin community. And just for the listeners, like personally, I think it's good to have keys being created or stored on multiple different systems. Uh, with Armory's lockboxes, for example, when you create your when you create a multi-signature lockbox, you can pull in uh, public keys from different wallets. And so, if if you're using MSigna and Armory uh, and you know another wallet, you can actually make it even more difficult for your security profile to be potentially compromised because of that. So, I think it's great that we have competitors like Cyphrix in the community with uh, products like MSigna. So, thanks so much for taking the time with us, uh, Eric, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Trace. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 